and we thank God for the opportunity to be able to do so. We welcome you here tonight, both members and uh, visitors. We praise God and thank you for your attendance with us this evening. Let's go together, please, to God in a word of prayer. A magnificent and most awesome, holy and precious God in heaven, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We thank you for the kindness that you bestowed upon us, for allowing us this opportunity, Lord God, to worship you, to bring all glory, praise, and honor unto you. Help us, please, that our minds might be focused only on you and on your word and on your will and your way as we worship you this evening. Bless us, Lord God, and never forget Jesus, your great son, in whom you so willingly sent to die on that cruel cross of Calvary. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, to meet with our brethren this evening. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank thee to be thy will. Amen. This will be the last um, game <laughs> that we're going to use. Game title, if you will. Uh, we've gone through quite a few of them. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of freshly out, actually. Um, clue. I really, I really haven't played this game much. Um, but it's an interesting game because the game Clue is with, it's a game with an object. And the object is players to win by determining the answer to three questions. And the questions are, who killed him, where, and with what weapon? So I thought, wow, that's a pretty interesting game to talk about. And as you think about the answers to the questions, there are six characters, there are six murder weapons, and there are nine rooms, leaving the players with 324 possibilities. Nice. So then I thought about the game, and I thought, you know, from a spiritual perspective, couldn't we ask those same three questions? We could ask ourselves, who killed Jesus? Where? And with what weapon? And we, can, we could dig into the scriptures and we could find those three answers. But before we reveal those three answers, Let's think for just a moment about those three questions from a spiritual perspective. I want to look at John, please, chapter 19. And I want to look at verse 34, just one scripture that brings some perplexity to the answering of those three questions. In John chapter 19 and verse 34, the Bible says, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And immediately there came out blood and water. So there was this escape of watery fluid from the sack that surrounds the heart. Okay? That's evidence that Jesus actually did not die the normal crucifixion death. Jesus died of heart failure due to shock. I want you to think about for just a moment what he saw 
as he hung suspended between heaven and earth, as he looked out amongst the crowd of people. And even before that, as he was scourged, and before that, when he heard them uh, shout and scream, crucify, crucify, and before that, the night and the, the, the time before he stood before Pilate, and before that, the years of his life on the earth, and on the cross, Jesus dies, of a broken heart. That's what he died from. It was literally a broken heart. Because normal death from a crucifixion is suffocation. He didn't die from suffocation. So now I ask those same three questions. Who killed Jesus? Where and with what, what weapon was it that was used? And when I, when I personalize this and I really think about the truth of the matter, I killed Jesus. I killed my Lord in Jerusalem. And it was my own sins. And sadly, It would be all of humanity who killed Jesus Christ on a cross with our sins in Jerusalem. Isaiah 53, the prophecy, speaks of all of humanity. Not not those in Jerusalem, not not the Jews, not not the Romans, but, but it speaks of what really will happen, what really was going on in the mind of of Jesus and the mind of God. In Isaiah 53 and verse 5, the Bible says, but he was pierced through for our transgression. That's me. It was my sin. He was crushed for our iniquities. That's me. That's my sin. The chastening for our well-being fell upon Him. That's me. And by His scourging, we are all healed and all of us like sheep have gone astray. It's me. It's you individually, independently. We killed Jesus. Because all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Jesus. So on that cross, he was thinking through his infinite mind about me in the future and about Adam in the beginning And all of those in between, and all of those who will come after, he died from a broken heart. And then in verse 8, verse 8 the Bible says, By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. And it was me. 
I was supposed to be on that cross. And you were supposed to be on that cross. And every man from Adam until the last man that lives on the earth was supposed to be on that cross. But Jesus took our place. And so there's this, please turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. There's this gratitude that one must find within our hearts an acknowledgement of this very fact that it was it was my sin, it was me that sent Jesus to the cross. These very facts, the acknowledgement of these very facts is the beginning of your spiritual growth pattern in life. This is the beginning. When you can admit that, you can step aside from self and say, I owe you God everything. It is that gospel message that we proclaim and think about that is a continual reminder. And as we on Sunday, this public proclamation that Jesus Christ died, he rose from the dead. And what a blessing and what an honor it is to be called a child of God. Verse 1 says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I, I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And so, the prophecy, the fulfillment, and then in 1 Corinthians 15, the reminder, and then every first day of the week, the reminder that he died for our. Be sure not to, when you read that, think about them. Right? Because when it says our sins, it's talking specifically to you and specifically to me. The gospel message is a message, a public proclamation that is specifically related to me and our Lord. Verse 3 says again, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. See, the game of Clue was about investigating the facts to determine who the murderer really is. What do you do with that when you find out who the murderer really is? Well, in the game, it's just a game, but what do I do with it when I discover that I am the murderer of the Lord? Now, see, if I were sinless, then I could stand here and say, you, but I'm not. So there's this idea, if you will, this understanding. Turn to Acts 17, please, and, and verse, uh, verse 11. There's this, this idea, this understanding that when I discover my position in, in Christ, then I find it a joy to spend digging into His Word to learn or to gain insight, to understand, well, why did God do that? Have you ever asked the question in your own mind, wasn't there another way? I mean, you think about, you read back, you look at the prophecy and you read about the, just the grotesqueness of, of, of the execution. 
and the mindset of, of the people in that day and, and then my mindset in regards to my sin. God, wasn't there another way? And there wasn't. And that's the answer. This was the only way. And so as I gained more insight, the desire to diligently seek out those secret things that God has revealed, not the secret things that God holds on to, but the secret things that God reveals, don't you want to know what they are? Don't you want to dig into the Word of God to learn about those secret things? To learn more about God? To learn more about yourself? The Bible is more than a a self-help book. The Bible is a book to give us understanding and insight about ourselves. It's beautiful. So when the Apostle Paul comes along and he's inspired, if you will, in his writings and the things that he says, and he preaches a message to the Bereans. What do they do? Well, you know, verse 11 tells us exactly what they did. They were more noble-minded. Now, these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. That's what they did in Acts seventeen eleven. They examined the word of God. They dug deep into the book to discover what is it that God wants me to know about me. God, you might even say, give me a clue. <laughs> give me a, just lead me in the way that I can go. I love Proverbs 25. Let's go back there for a moment. Proverbs chapter 25. When you go back to Proverbs 25 and you think about what the scripture is saying as, as the, uh, uh, the inspired writer speaks to us from God. He's talking to us and telling us there's something that I want you to think about. And that is this. These are the Proverbs of Solomon. The men of Hezekiah, of Judah, transcribed. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. Right? Because God can, can't he? When you look into the heavens and you You think about the galaxies that are there in the universe. And as we start gauging the distance between stars. And then they, they, you know, we go to school and we learn how far the earth is from the moon. And we learn things that we go, well, what, what, what does that have to do with me? (laughs) Right? And you, you learn these amazing facts about the universe. Some things God reveals. And some things God conceals. And it's easy to say, well, you know, if God wanted me to know, he would put it in a book and he would give it to someone else and they would preach it in the sermon and give it to me. That's not how this works. If God wants you to know something about you, he'll reveal it to you specifically if you really want to know. It's, it's the glory of God to, to conceal a matter. But the glory of kings is to search out a matter. You see, what we ought to do is search, investigate, strive to understand the deeper things that God is giving to me about me. 
right? I want to know more about me. God, help me to be a better me, right? In this walk of Christianity, do you desire for God, Matthew 7, please, to reveal to you, do you desire for God to reveal to you that which is necessary to aid you in your spiritual walk of faith? Someone says, well, I I do want to know, but so far as it does not. (laughs) We start putting stipulations on our great God. Our God tells us, if you want to know, just ask, right? Verse 7, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. I guess the question is, what exactly am I asking for in my daily prayers? Have I forgotten to ask, ask God to reveal me to me? Tell me, God, what do I have to change, alter? How, how can I be what you want me to be? Lord God, what am I doing that is satisfactory to you? And what things should I... Dear God, what am I asking for? Verse 8 says, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And if him who knocks, it shall be open. And so God is, is trying to give us a message. Turn to Psalm 119. And that is that there are things that are revealed, but there are also things that are concealed. And the things that God has concealed from me, thank you, God, I understand I'm not ready to receive them. But Lord God, when I am ready, please reveal those things to me so that I can be a better me. Not in comparison to others, but just in my direct relationship with God. And why do I need to know? Because I need to learn how to no longer love my sin. I need to learn how to escape my own weaknesses. I need to learn how to dodge and avoid the traps and pitfalls that Satan throws in front of me. I need to learn how to be a man of God. Psalm 119 and verse 18, the psalmist says, Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from thy law. Open my eyes, God. Help me to see. What do you do with it when you find it, right? What do you do with this? So thinking about this game of Clue that we're trying to discover who the murderer is, right? And we find out the murderer is me. What do we do with that kind of information? Please turn back to um, the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. What do we do with that? I mean, do, we, do we dismiss it? Do we, do we blame it on others? Do we um, pretend to be something that we're not? What do we do with the information that we gain about ourselves? Clue. Here's a clue from the Lord. I only have one. <laughs> I, you know, I don't... I don't have a lot, but I do have this one for sure. And that is this. You only get one lifetime. You only get one chance to get it right. You see, the world, the world says, well, that's not enough. <laughs> you know, the world wants us to have a reincarnation. <laughs> the world wants us to have a rapture. And the world wants us to have some, some, some millennialism and a whole bunch of this and some 
some great signs. And think about how great this would be, right? That, that the Lord says, you know, it's the trumpet sounds. And then when the trumpet sounds, we have just enough time to get on our knees and say, dear, dear God, please forgive me real quick. And then be done with that. And then God takes you home to heaven. That's not how this is going to work. You only have one lifetime to get it right. So the question is, what are you spending all your time on? Are you spending all of your time in this life on trying to get it right with God and be with God or who God wants you to be? Or are you more interested in all the fun you can have in this life? All the joy and the excitement that you can have in this life. And I'll get to that other stuff later. I remember when I was younger, uh, when I say younger, I mean, I, when I first started learning the Bible, I was 19. And I remember... Uh, I look around, I thought about it, I thought about my yesteryears, and I remembered that people would say things like, well, I'll go to church when I get old, right? Well, why would you do that? Well, because then you're going to die. That's not true, is it? But that's how some people think, you know, I'll get all this stuff right and ready after I finish doing all the stuff that I want to do, and then when I'm finished, then I'll start studying and come to the Lord. No, that's not, you might not have that opportunity. And even as a child of God, you might not, you may not have that opportunity. So now was the time. Today is the day to learn all that you can learn from God about you to make you a better you in Christ. So verse 6, the Bible says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. What's the inference? There's a time that's going to come. When he will not be able to be found. Call upon him while he is near. What is the inference? There's a time. There's coming a time when he won't be so near. You only get one chance. This is the life. This is the day you spoke of yesterday. Right here. These are the years you spoke of years ago. These are the things that I'm going to do. Do you have any spiritual goals in life? And I hope if you do, they include you being a better you. But that means you've got to dig, right? You have to dig to discover. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. Isn't God good? I think I was just talking to you, Jaylee. Isn't God good? Anytime you hear that, church, you got to say amen. I mean, if you're out there in the world and someone says, God is good, you need to say amen to that, right? You don't stay silent on that one. God is good. And so, He has compassion on us. God has compassion on the, who were we again earlier in the game? On the murderer. God has compassion for the murderer. That's me. Why would you have compassion, God, for the murderer? Because I love you that much. Now, pridefully, 
you wrestle around. I wrestled with my wife, and we were wrestling one day, and she and she pinned me, and then, and then you know what I said, right? I let you. I mean, I really did though, in front, just so y'all know. Anyway, right? I let you do that, right? God let us kill him, but it wasn't the same way, was it? He allowed us. He allowed us to be the worst that we could be to show us how we could be the best that we could ever be. He's a God who's full of compassion. He will have compassion on Him and to our God and He will abundantly pardon. So, seek the Lord. Turn to Hebrews 6. And I'll begin to wrap this up. Seek the Lord while He may be found. And again, that inference is there's a time when he may not be able to found, be found. And you say, well, wait a minute, preacher. God is always going to be able to be found. That's a contradiction of the scriptures. No, it's not true. You come to these complicated scriptures that, and what makes them complicated sometimes is we just don't like to think about them. Right? Look at verse 4. For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, that's us, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, that's us. And then have walked away from God. Fallen away, right? Listen to what it says. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. So there's some in the church who walked away. Not all, but some in the church who walked away from God who have never found their way back. Because there may be a time in your life where that measuring rod is out there and you will never find your way back home to Christ. That scripture we don't like to really think about. But it's there. Like Hebrews 10, where it says there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin for those who live willfully, right? Willfully in sin. There are scriptures like that that we like to veer away from, but the, the honest truth is they exist and they're real. Okay, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. So back to those three questions. Who killed him? Where? And with what weapon? In your spiritual walk, the first clue that we have to ask ourselves is this. We can ask in a different way. Who killed the old you? Who killed the old you? Who killed the old self? God. What weapon did he use? The blood of Jesus. And where did he do it? In that baptismal pool. Maybe not that one, but it was water. Thank you, God, for your mercy. That's how we right the wrong, if you will, and allow God to make the world right again in our personal lives. That is how God removes the pain of sin and 
saves us from wickedness and evil. It is through the waters of baptism. It is never going to change. It will forever be that way because that came from God. The problem is, verse 7, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me as in the day of trial and the wilderness. Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Is there something in your life? Maybe I can point at others and say, yeah, there, there are some people that I know. There's someone that I know. There's a story that I heard of a person that heard the gospel. And they thought about it and said, yes, I need to come to the Lord. And they waited too late. Y'all know anybody like that? I remember a preacher preaching right in the, in the pulpit and he preached a sermon. And one of the young ladies came to him and said, you were, pointing at, you were pointing the finger right at me. Right at me. You were, that sermon was, God was talking to me in that sermon. And she said, I, I need to get baptized. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to. And he was like, well, you know, the water's ready. And, and he went to his normal, you know, speech, if you will, to her. And she said, but I just, I just need a little more time. Maybe I'm going to come back next week. And if God talks to me again next week. And that night she went home and was murdered. True story. So when we think about the scripture where God says, Seek the Lord while he's near and while he may be found, realize God was telling the truth. If tonight there's something that we can help you with, if there's some uh, thing that you would like to come to Christ, you'd like to surrender your life to him, if there's something in your life on your heart that we can help you with, is there anything that we can do? If there's anything that anyone can do. Please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Three sixty seven. God is all my dead of sin. Our great change is brought within.